Hello and welcome to Life and Dev. It's a podcast where life and game development meet. I'm Elise Terranova and this is a special podcast because it's the first one where we're officially part of Berlin Game Scene, which is pretty grand. Uh, what that means is we have a fancy new logo by The Nomi. Uh, the Nomi is at The Nomi uh, on Twitter and she's thenomi.com. I only know her as The Nomi, so I don't think I could tell you her last name if I wanted to. Oh, I've always known her as Nomi. <laughs> <laughs> on all of her handles, it's always it's a fun name. It yeah, is a yeah, good yeah. name, yeah. <laughs> and this is Zoe Jellico, uh, who is my guest. No, Hello. please, <laughs> thank you. Sorry, cut in quickly. <laughs> no, it's it's good. Uh, so Zoe is uh, well. I know Zoe because uh, she is a regular in the game scene, and also she has a book called Critical Hits. And Critical Hits is an indie games anthology which has a number of different authors who've written uh, passages in it or critical essays, and Zoe has also written one, and then she's edited the whole thing and has a million copies of books in different countries, uh, <laughs> which she sometimes sells to people when she feels like it or when Actually, they order it. Or? Yeah, mostly the books are in, in Berlin. I thought you were talking about my own personal collection of books, which is true, unfortunately, yeah. Most most of critical uh, hits are in Berlin these days. It is, yeah. Okay, that's yeah, pretty yeah. good. That's yeah, pretty good. they're all in uh, my previous Keller, hopefully not covered in mold. Yikes. <laughs> yeah, yes. no, no, no. I just need to get down there and possibly print some more because they've done pretty well. They're in bookshops here and in New York and in Dublin. Um, Do you want to drop a few names for Berlin oof, bookshops? The Berlin bookshops. Um, they're in Cur- it's in Curious Fox and it was in Topics before Topics sadly closed. Oh, no. Um... Where else is it, actually? Oh, sorry. I think it's just in Curious Fox at the moment. I meant to drop some down to St. George's, too. Cool. But uh, I know Curious Fox have more copies off the top of my head. That's bad. I should have looked at well, distribution. That's, that's pretty good. You can also order it online or from Zoe in person if you see her. At- you can. Yeah, I'm about. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, can you talk a little bit about your essay in Critical Hits? Okay, right into the essay. Um, well, I felt kind of funny about doing an essay for the book that I was compiling and editing, you know? Um, I mean, I, I guess I, maybe I should tell you about like the idea of the book Please first. Do. Yeah, yeah, hit it. Because I, I was working for a publishing house in Dublin and uh, I was trying to think of, you know, a sort of thing that I'd enjoy working on as a personal project. And the other editor that I was working with did a book called uh, Silicon Docs that was uh, sort of the same idea, compiled by journalists from within the tech industry. And... He was the one who, he knew that I was interested in games and I've been writing about games for a couple of years for a magazine called Totally Dublin, which had also happened very serendipitously. I was mostly an arts writer. Um, and then from that, I decided to do this book and I sat down and thought of my favorite writers, and my favorite developers. The developer's idea kind of came second because at first I thought it would just be a straight journalist book mm-hmm. instead of approaching people who'd made games. Like Owen Harris had only ever made games, but he had just such a wonderful story. And I love the way that he expressed himself. So my chapter kind of came as an afterthought of people kept asking me what I was going to write about. And it felt really egotistic <laughs> to be writing a chapter that also as an editor, you're never supposed to edit your own work. Like it's very not the thing and towards the end I had so little time that I just had to edit it myself and uh, I would <laughs> yeah yeah there are definitely things I changed but the my own background is in philosophy and literature and I was always really interested in kind of the way that you operate within the video game space mm-hmm. um, 
and that's kind of that the significance of that because I was interested in still am interested in phenomenology and how a player uh you mean specifically how a how, player how a, how a player space? yeah and how your avatar operates within mm-hmm. game space and the kind of the absurd disconnect that you get between subject objects the objects the digital objects that you encounter um it's also really weird when you're making games like what you mm. put in and what you don't put in as well as when you're thinking about objects yeah. it's really mm. it's such a there are objects which are just so obvious that mm-hmm. just go in and you know that they're part of the gameplay and the objects that you go in with just like why yeah what like excessively like why was this detail needed <laughs> exactly it, yeah. yeah it kind of goes in two ways like games where you need all of the objects it's kind of like well everything has purpose and you know that and games yeah. where it's just really heavily set dressed and half the time you don't need any of the objects mm-hmm. it's also really strange mm-hmm. too because mm-hmm. they have no purpose and they have no often no oh i love that though i, I love the purposeless <laughs> the set dressing yeah. oh yeah absolutely especially when you can interact with them and they do absolutely nothing like i like when you yeah. can interact with them and they do nothing oh I yeah no that's the thing with them. oh absolutely but like i want like that's why i love the kind of open worlds n- game object sort of thing like in skyrim the yeah. things that are there that make no sense that are completely useless um and that like break if you throw them you know and that have can. no implication for the bigger <laughs> gameplay, but yeah. just like this strange world building sort of vibe. And so, yeah, so I, I chose games to speak about that I was personally interested in, like very pun based games like Monkey Island and as Skyrim, of course, yeah. um, like the really the silly part of Skyrim, like the running around in streams and like catching butterflies and tearing off their wings and like. <laughs> compiling all like your objects in the little house that you get as well the nonsense bits and yeah I wanted to speak about horror as well it's kind of like the anti-playing of the game almost like all of the funny little games that you can make for yourself within the game yeah and that was what I that was what I loved and I'd never experienced that in games that I played when I was growing up like um I wasn't we, we didn't really have a television for a while and I wasn't allowed so much to play games but you know when you're not allowed to do something either it becomes a taboo that you really seek out or you just like oh grand okay I'll just do other things I'll Mm -hmm. just read forever but uh so I didn't really play games properly until I was in my 20s because the only things that I'd seen were like not the interesting first person shooters the really boring first person shooters what am I thinking oh sure doesn't even matter anymore but uh when I finally played Zelda and when I got to do all the really silly little things, mm-hmm. I suppose that's why it's really popular with children because it's not like you can be a bit aimless in it. Mm-hmm. And there are loads of little side games and stuff. And I think the weird interactions that you can have, like you're not, nothing is not really allowed or the things that are not really allowed are not really allowed because there is just no agency with the certain objects. So yeah. it's kind of... Yeah, yeah. But you can just go around cutting grass all day. Exactly. Great crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you got to do what you love, right? You know. Absolutely, and that's, that's cutting grass if that is all day, every grass. day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left no field unturned. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even in Grand Theft Auto, I really liked just taking the cars for a spin. Doing a little sunset drive. Yeah, why not? It was, yeah. I mean, it was really nice and changing the radio and just going for a... definitely. Yeah. See, I'm not into the sun. I'm not into the driving games myself very much I'm not hugely into driving games either but I feel like GTA would really turn me around on this yeah. I think that's the first time I'd really played one mm-hmm. which wasn't like a racing game where the only thing is you just race on a course to the end yeah Double Dash 
really just shattered my confidence in all <laughs> all racing games and I've never wanted to humiliate myself. I can understand that. that. I think uh, the arcades are responsible for a lot of uh, a lot of but damage. But see, if I'd have been allowed into an arcade or if that had not allowed, but if if I'd been in the sort of environment where I'd gone to arcades when I was a kid, I think uh, that's the thing. I know a lot of people who are very used to playing games in public with other people watching. This is why I always find sometimes I sometimes find like festivals and games events a little bit nerve wracking because I really like to explore a game on my own or with a trusted friend. Yeah. <laughs> who like I'm not going to feel embarrassed about walking into doors, you know, next to you. <laughs> I also sometimes get a little bit embarrassed when I'm playtesting something and yeah. there's people around me and the game developer is there as well. Because Oh, I, I feel- think when the developer is there as well, it's just like, I'm not an idiot. Yeah, there. but I know just that... just having an explore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think for playtesting as well, like you appreciate that they need to uh, see where you're not getting it or where it's a that's, bit strange. That's the thing. But it's when there's a yeah. crowd and the developer, I'm like, oh, no, this is this is yeah. no, too much me. But in one of the reasons that I was drawn to the games industry in Berlin, as opposed to, like, I haven't really explored the literary scene here as much as I have with the games community, is because there's always this idea of everything being on a bit of a learning curve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's, it's just, a f- I found it to be a friendlier place. In some ways as well. As other industries or as other game industries? or uh, Like going to events, uh, book people tend to know each other and there's kind of like a, there's sometimes a snobbery associated with it. And I found the games events here to be a little bit more welcoming. Yeah, Just as like a complete newcomer. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure why that is. It's probably my own weird things, but yeah. No, I would agree with that. I think, um, I think there's... I feel pretty comfortable going to tons of indie events here, but I also think that mm. there was a point where I would have still been terrified and going to the first game jam was still terrifying. Oh, to totally. Me. Yeah. But there were certain people within the community here that made me feel welcome. Like very, yeah. very, very welcome. Yeah. And I think once you have at least one or two people, then, then it's great. And I think also one or two people saying I will also be at the game jam on Saturday. Like if if everyone else yeah, is absolutely terrifying, then because <laughs> it's not so bad navigating a room when there's somebody in the corner that you know you can That's like true. run to and hi 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 I know no one and I'm terrified <laughs> and I don't really know what a game As jam opposed, is. Yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you jammed before? Have I jammed? I haven't actually because I don't know how to code. So I have this feeling that um. I would just be there shouting ideas at people and they'd be there quietly trying to, to code. I but think as a non-coder, can, yeah, of can course. you do it? Of course, yeah. Because I have story ideas that I'm trying out. Like this is one of the reasons that I, I like the indie game scene too because they give me different ways of exploring ideas that I want to try out anyway. Mm-hmm. So in terms of like little hypertext games and stuff, there are ideas that I want to plot out. And it would be really cool going to a jam to. You to should, do that. you yeah. should get Have on you? that. Yeah. Okay. So one one of the things that kind of uh, decided me about kind of oh, I can't even speak right now. Like my English <laughs> is gone. One of the things that uh, helped me decide where I was going to go to next was yeah. going to game jams and yeah. meeting people and then trying out just making games. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think a game jam is like a wonderful way to kind of try out your sea legs in a way and see if you actually yeah actually like development it's true you. because I, I tend to go to talks 
and discussions a little bit more and I'm more comfortable on that sort of framework and yeah. I like the idea of like I as a, as a writer I'm used to working alone and <laughs> you know yeah of course it's a different way of working entirely isn't it yeah and I, I wouldn't say that I'm a very solitary person but that's the creative process that I'm used to mm-hmm. um, so in a way it's really nice having games it's a completely alternate way of creating so when you yeah. review games, I mm-hmm. guess uh, all of this is kind of done in a little bit of a vacuum or do you talk mm-hmm. about what you're playing or do you discuss, uh, like, how do you go about reviewing games? Well, I haven't reviewed games since I've been here because I don't have any consoles. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I lost them all in a previous divorce. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry to hear that. <laughs> no, it's grand. I just need to get some more. But um, when I get a little bit more settled, I'm going to be rebuying some things. But before when I reviewed games in Ireland, yeah, I, I would chat about them while I, while I played them, but I, w- I would mostly play alone and make notes and have a bit of a think. But when I write, I'm usually talking about the stuff that I'm writing about. Mm-hmm. Uh, even, even if they're not there while I'm playing it, I chat about it with friends. So you have like yeah. points to compare on and you have some game appreciating friends as well or... Do you have oh. like a community of, of well, game writers? No, no, not really. I have one or two friends who play games, but a lot of them come from very different fields of interest. And I like that, actually. And that's the way that I try to, or I try to, that's the way that I've had to approach writing about video games. It's from a non-industry um, perspective. Mm-hmm. Whatever is in there is stuff that I've looked up or gathered. But I really like doing it from a completely outsider thing I find that really fun and that's how I started writing about that because I I find I find games just as well fun in a different way to write about them than books or or other types of visual art you know it's it's a different way of uh of discussing but I still like to do it from without the kind of the community because it can turn into an echo chamber in my experience when you're just yeah. speaking to people who are in the same exact thing. But I don't really have that problem because I'm trying to do like four different jobs at once usually. <laughs> yeah, You keep it varied by nature. I do. Even when I have a full-time thing, I seem to be doing a few other things yeah. too. But I think that's the way the in, the like game industry works too. Like most of the people that I've met in Berlin not at the jams and stuff, but just at the evenings are working on a few different things and supporting themselves either by teaching or in some other sort of day job. Yeah. Yeah. Being an indie developer is tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, making games is tough already, even if someone pays you, um, but being an indie developer is super tough. Yeah. For sure. And I kind of, I understand not wanting to work in the games industry 24-7 while also trying to make a game Mm -hmm. on the side. I personally wouldn't want to do it. Like I've, I've looked at like, I've looked at those Ubisoft jobs and been like, oh, imagine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, AAA is something entirely different as well. Um, Mm. Yeah. And I guess it's kind of about a lot of different things if that's interesting for you in. Yeah. But at any point in my life, I'm not totally comfortable if I'm only interacting with people from one industry Mm -hmm. because I feel a little bit starved for like fresh creative air from people, you know? I think, uh, yeah, there are definitely pockets which are starved also for creative air. (laughs) Yep, 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 yep. (laughs) 
like yeah. in a nice way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But so, I mean, because your work, are you, are you working on games in addition to, to being here as well or? Um, because games obviously occupy a massive part of your life. They do. So do you feel like you need to do other things that are, that kind of impact games or? So I guess I've never really spoken about what I do. Um, so I am a game designer and I started this podcast because I was writing my master's thesis and yeah. I wanted to Which try I want to read, by the way. Oh, God. You still haven't sent it to me. <laughs> yeah, it's a bit yeah, of a yeah, mess. Yeah. No, I'd it's, love to read it. It's on my website. I will send it to you personally. Though. Oh, fab. Oh, sorry. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, and I couldn't find the kind of research they wanted. And then mm-hmm. I just liked talking to people who were yeah. doing cool stuff and who were like, I mean, a lot of people are transplants in Berlin. A lot of people have been here for a while, but um, yeah. the indie scene has been developed. I mean, very much, uh, uh, well, the scene that I know and the scene that I'm involved in very much revolves around talk and play and yeah. Berlin game scene, which is uh, Lorenzo Pilia. Talk and play yeah. is the absolute best. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And something like that has, uh, I think, really, I think this, the scene changes and is in, in ver- always in various stages and people come and go and, and uh, you mm. know, more senior developers kind of do their own thing and maybe aren't as involved as mm. um, they might have been a few years ago. But um, but the people who tend to loiter remain, do you know? Yeah, they're definitely yeah. loiterers, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think uh, being part of that community has been really interesting for me and the people that I've met through that community uh, is also really interesting. So... I had no idea that, uh, I, well, I didn't really expect that when I moved over here. Yeah. I mean, I moved to Berlin for, yeah, various intangible sorts of reasons, but uh, one of, yeah. <laughs> I moved here for shits and giggles, <laughs> so I get it. I de- no, I, I kind of moved here to like, to because Dublin had burned me out. Yeah. It's, I, I like going to lots of things. And in Dublin, it's small enough that you can kind of, go to everything oh god if you really try it's kind of terrifying completely burned myself out and I found the pace here really good and I wanted to get some space to work on my own stuff without the intensity of Dublin because it's so small you know everybody and I just wanted some air did you feel like there was a lot of social pressure to then also go to everything as well because oh no I just love going to everything okay (laughs) yeah I know that's just my own my own problems <laughs> being everywhere at once but and here I think there's so yeah. much going on you just can't yeah that's the thing I, I never feel bad for staying in because there's a lot of stuff going on yeah. but equally in Dublin um, there's a lot of or I, I guess I, I personally felt a lot of pressure to keep the momentum of my work up and how much I was publicly doing mm-hmm. and I kind of moved here to retreat a little bit and to have a little bit of anonymity um how's that going for you great (laughs) genuinely like really 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 good I mean the first year is never perfect when you move somewhere new it's tough like I think when I moved to Dublin in 2006 it was a couple years before I felt really happy and I was kind of stuck in a really horrible dead-end job when I first moved to Berlin because I was finishing the book Mm -hmm. and I needed to pay rent and I was just working on the book at night and the job was truly one of the worst. It was like a data entry thing dressed up as an editor job. And I I did it for a year just so that I could like set up. And now things are much more interesting. Yeah, which is is good too. I think it also takes time to find 
um, fellow collaborators that you absolutely yeah yeah groups of people that you're not just desperately clinging on to for like but also like not ones that you just like or that you can work with but like both of those things together like that's really tough that was something that Dublin was good for I have to Mm. say the creative community was very insular and a little bit echoey and a bit self-congratulating you know because when everybody knows each other no one will say any anything bad very to be honest I think this might be a little bit of a problem with indie games too like if we're talking Mm -hmm. about um people being only in games and then talking about games I think with reviews especially not enough criticism sometimes I think in indie games especially because um you know we do know everyone criticism you know I mean we just need healthier ways of you know encouraging each other yeah I'm telling people constructive ways a bit more work yeah 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 (laughs) yeah it's it's hard to do that with writing because it's it's very I was going to say it's very personal. So are games. Yeah, I was like, mm, I think we'd say that about just about any creative pursuit, though. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I I feel weirder about my own writing, especially if it's creative writing. Mm-hmm. Like, I barely show anybody my stuff. And like, if it's journalism, then that's fine, because it's something that's outside of me. Um, but I'm still getting to the stage where, like, I'm only starting to send my writing places and, like waiting for the torrent of of nose oh, <laughs> you know that sounds rough no it's fine i just need to do it i've just been this is why i came here because i wanted to start doing that a little bit more hmm. yeah and do you find that you can find time and space to work on creative writing uh well yeah i'm so i'm working for this film production company at the moment and at first it was a kind of 24 hours a day, crazy sort of job. But now the pace has sort of slowed because we've delayed things for a little bit. Um, the event is now happening a little bit later than expected. So I'm going to be going away, I think. I think I'm going to go to South America for February and March okay. to visit loads of family because I've, I've, my mother's Peruvian and I've never been to Peru. And my an, a very young uncle of mine lives in Santiago in Chile. So I'm going to go stay with him. And my sister's actually flying over with her girlfriend to Guadalupe at the beginning of February. So first leg of it might be with them and they're staying at her father's farm. Like to your roots. Opposite Pigeon Island, which would be gas, can do a bit of island hopping while they're working hard (laughs) in the farm. (laughs) And ultimately, right, I've I've been trying to like look up retreats and stuff, but Mm. I might just, the dream would just be to find somewhere really remote in the Andes where I can just write and chill out for a bit and then coming back in April and moving somewhere different so so that's going to be my own retreat time but I don't I don't know um the situation here is so volatile either I have a really intense full-time job or the job is kind of a little bit more chilled out and then I'm doing more writing yeah it's really hard to balance yeah and I I kind of came here to avoid just the full-time job that I wasn't completely satisfied in yeah but I understand that Berlin is still a an expensive difficult place to live in less so than Dublin or places yeah. like London maybe or yeah yeah but it still requires it's this tough balance of having time and money and yeah. those things overlapping <laughs> which yep. they pretty much never do um, yeah. yeah I mean I was okay for the summer cause I got some very steady freelance work corporate freelance work for not the greatest company but the money was good it was just editing um 
And it was nice to just do that for, I think I had like 10 hours a week and it wasn't brain heavy. So I could yeah. just do you it in the use evenings your, yeah. on a Sunday afternoon. And you can use your actual juice for what you want to work on then. Yeah. And I, I miss editing. Like at the moment I'm just doing writing, but I find editing, I'm kind of worried. I, I keep, I, I need to keep practicing. It's a skill that I think you need to continually exercise or else it just goes. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm a naturally good editor. I just try to work really hard at it as well. So I got to get back on that horse. There are many horses that I need to get on this yeah. next year. And editing is one of them, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about game writing, mm. um, are there any narrative games that you just think that's amazing? I yeah, wish absolutely. I had done that. Okay, what's Kentucky which... Route Zero? Okay, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's the best. It's it. I I keep playing something else, being like, okay, this could replace it in my heart, but it's it's just the most beautiful articulation of like this dreamy. I haven't adventure. played it, so please set it up for me. Okay, sorry. So no, no. It's sort of it's it's been coming out in um, sequential bits, and it opens with um, oh, it's bad. I'm not going to remember who any of the characters' names are. <laughs> That's okay. Because <laughs> I'm good them. at stories, bad at names. <laughs> your man, we'll call him your man. Okay. He emerges from over the hill as like the sun is setting, rising. It's been a while. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the sun is either going up or going down. Okay, it's to very a romantic. petrol station. Okay, and the art style is really beautiful. Where's it set? Kentucky. Uh, it's set in the deep south. Okay. Yeah, Kentucky. Yeah. Um, and he's he's doing a favor for a friend in an antique shop, uh, and he has a very specific place that he needs to go, and he's advised or looking for Route Zero, and. Which of, is a motorway, right? Yeah, okay. and sort of action, or well, <laughs> one would think it's a, it's a sort of motorway. It's like a dreamy, dreamy place, basically. And when you finally get to Route Zero, you sort of operate your direction based on symbols that are set in the road. You go backwards and forwards, and when you go backwards and forwards, the road itself changes. But I mean, along the way, you start helping people and getting involved in weird stories just as in a dream and it reminded me of so many books that I that I loved it it reminded me of this book by Kazushi Guru called The Unconsoled that's about a pianist who goes to this town and he's supposed to give a performance and the entire action of like the pretty substantial novel is based on him trying to find somewhere to practice and everybody keeps like asking him for photos and everything gets more and more absurd and bizarre there's this fantastic scene where he like he ends at this like he ends up at this really fancy dinner and somebody gets him to give a toast and he stands up and he re realizes he's wearing his like um dressing gown which is open and he's in the nip and <laughs> oh no and it gave me that kind of feeling mm -hmm. in a big way and like loads of Murakami novels as well like that kind of dreamlike thing and one of the things that struck me about the narrative was that you flip between characters. Um, I think at one point you actually even answer for the dog. Yeah, which is really <laughs> lovely. And people ask you questions to things that you couldn't possibly know the answer to, as in life. Mm -hmm. So I found that really lovely. So is it like, uh, is much of it voice, most of it voice acted? Or is it uh, through a lot of text that you read? Oh, it's through? just through text. Okay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I prefer. And when you get a question you don't know the answer to, is it like ABC, choose an answer, or are you actually typing in? Oh, you choose an answer out of the mm-hmm. possibilities, but you can choose just like an ellipsis. Okay. <laughs> which Please. is great. Um, I think also the you get these kind of flashbacks and they just do something with the text and the visual elements that really, really got to me. And there's something really heartbreaking about some of the stories and it's the best. You should okay, play I it. will play yeah, it. Yeah, it's unbelievable. You're, you've, you've sold it. Yeah. Plus, it's stunning to look at as well. And I think one of the, the guys who created it, he's, um, he produces music. So the music is also fantastic. There's an incredible scene in a bar where I think she's called Junebug. She does this fantastic song. And the bar sort of melts away in like this hexagonal like bliss. It's just, <laughs> oh, it's very good. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, I think I, I don't know if a game's actually made me cry before. Okay, really? Yeah, it must have. I cry. I cry often. A game must in- have made me cry, but I remembered yeah. this particularly, do you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. one of those ones. Yeah. yeah. I... Uh, definitely cried in Life is Strange. I don't know if I've played Life is Strange. It's also a narrative-heavy game. Uh, mm-hmm. It's being criticised a lot for its narrative because it's... Uh, okay. So it's by Don't Nod, uh, a French studio. It's Is it quite minimal? Or? No, it's a it's 3D um, kind of anime-ish inspired, okay. I would say, and it's set in a high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Sometimes you read the dialogues and just think, oh, no one says that. No one has ever said that. You know, okay. please stop trying to be hip. Um, oh, no. <laughs> and I think, I mean, I think they they, they got a writer who wasn't a, a French white guy uh, in his 40s, but sometimes it sounds like a French white guy has written in his 40s, has written okay. the dialogue. Um, so I had to struggle through the dialogue a bit with that one, but some of it's really lovely and some of it's yeah. like, ah. Oh, why are you doing this? That's why Kentucky Route Zero is so special. Um, they just get it right all the time. It's it's not even that it's super, it's not like lyrical, do you know? It's just, yeah. it's very simple. And I think that's why it works. And it's very strange. It's really weird. <laughs> it's really, really surreal and absurd. And it sort of just speaks for itself at certain moments. And... um as you learn more about the character, as he kind of goes into this sort of underworld, you just feel really, really, really drawn in. Mm. Like I, I think I've I've played it a couple times. In fact, I think I'm going to go home and play it now. <laughs> Yeah, you're kind of yeah, selling yeah. it. You know, I mean, when you can play a game instead of watching Netflix, like if there's a game that's that narratively enticing, you can play a game instead of reading some. I mean, if if that's the kind of itch that you want to scratch if like you want this dreamlike world you know i could go home and you know be in a murakami-esque absolutely all it's missing is cats you know it's even got skeletons (laughs) it has no cats no cats that i can remember it does have a very sound dog one minus point (laughs) okay sound dog yeah we'll see we'll see how cute the dog is dog's very very good i wouldn't say he's cute you know he's got like a He's got a strong vibe. A strong dog vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's an old dog. He's seen some things. 
Okay. <laughs> you can choose the dog's name and I, I think the name that I chose for the dog was Blue. I think the other one was something like really pretentious, like Homer. Yeah. Oh God. I know. But, who put but see, you can be that sort of prick if you want in the game. <laughs> it lets you. It lets you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nice or, of them. Actually, no, I think if you choose that, it's just like, actually, I'll go with blue. Because <laughs> there are some, yeah, there are funny ways that it um, underseats you in the game. I guess that's the nice. other thing is um, how much does your choice influence how the narrative evolves? Hmm. Or how does it feel? How much maybe does it feel if they don't actively show you well because you're because it's so dreamlike and because everything is very surreal mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like you're being pushed towards anything not like in oh what was the telltale one the wolf among us mm -hmm. yeah. where even if you try to play bigby as you know not a jerk <laughs> yeah like even if you try to play him like a a friendly guy he still does it in such a horrible way yeah you and can't you win. just yeah feel so silly that there's even a choice in the narrative yeah. you know yeah or i think um i think also maybe even in oxen free there were some mm -hmm. choices that you could make that sounded quite nice when you read mm -hmm. them out but mm -hmm. when they were exactly when they were delivered you were like oh that's not the tone I yeah that was exactly that the character like have <laughs> you, cho you choose something really like really chill for him to say and he'd still punch out the person he was and it also to. comes with a punch as well please <laughs> control yourselves <laughs> yeah so i I, th I think what worked with Kentucky Road Zero was was that it's it's pretty low key and it, it's not very action driven mm -hmm. you know you're more sort of wandering around this dream world and weird things are happening to you yeah which for for a narrative driven game maybe maybe that's an interesting way to approach it as opposed to it being so plot driven it's more of like a world and you you bounce off things all the time and loads of weird stuff is going on so because nothing makes sense mm -hmm. you feel less you know thwarted if you don't get the expected outcome by choosing for a character to say something I think I mean also the verbal part of it is such a small part of the picture as well mm -hmm. like yeah yeah you know, can, we, can I please choose how, for instance, Big B holds his arms right now because I can feel that he's crossing them in front of his body and that's not what I want for him. <laughs> oh, God, I wouldn't even want the ability to uh, approach the body language of the character. Yeah, although I prefer, like, you know, very blocky body language. It was like, do you remember in Oblivion, where, did you ever play as a cat person? And if you focus on jumping, then you can eventually just, like, at any given moment, just, like, leap onto a house. <laughs> great and it's just it's so unnatural and so silly I loved it I would just like run around like leaping over cottages and stuff <laughs> avoiding all my missions and just like I'm just here for the leaps you gotta do what makes you happy you know <laughs> if it's a funny little side quest which means leaping over all of the houses yeah you know yep, yep. do what do you do you <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah yeah as a cat <laughs> Maybe that's an easier way, um, like the dreamlike narrative, maybe that's a, a good way to uh, not have to deal with all of the... The problems. Of a branching narrative. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which... Because they get so big so quickly. For sure. I guess dreamlike narratives present their own uh, problems, but it's, it's more what I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. I like suggestive plots as opposed to, you know, black and white sort of thing. 
So I actually wanted to ask you about a project I read about yesterday. Yeah. And I don't know if you will know about it. Maybe you know everything about it. We'll see. Um, <laughs> so it's a new HBO project, which mm. is a branching narrative uh effectively TV series where yeah. you choose where you go through an app and you make decisions and then you see the next part of the narrative. Oh amazing. And it's all pre-filmed yeah. and it's okay. all pre-filmed and they have this huge so the thing is they had this huge uh room where they mapped up all the narratives and they yeah. didn't tell any of the actors who was the main character as well. So all of the characters kind of felt feel. like they were at the star of their own show. Exactly. And I As think, in life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one else really gets your bit, you know. Um, yeah, so it's um, – I have forgotten the name of the director. I've also forgotten the name of the show, which is I don't think I've fantastic. heard of it, but I like the idea. Um, <laughs> I'd love some sort of, like, live-action text in, kiss her, kiss her. <laughs> but this, yeah, that's, that's definitely next step. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or eventually just, like, you know, an amphitheater where we're all shouting instructions down. Um, what's the sort of time frame on which – or what – do you know when it's going to be released? Or? I think it should be out fairly soon. Um, I think it actually is already out in the US, but we can't get it yet, which yeah. is annoying um, since we're in the Germanys. Um, yeah. But what I found also interesting was that they talked about it as they didn't want to make a video game. <laughs> Don't worry, guys. It's not a video game, I swear. I, I know. And when I was reading this article about a branching narrative, which you choose to navigate yeah. with an app, I was like... Um, okay, like imagine a choose your own adventure story. Now, what if? <laughs> yeah, but pretty yeah. much they're like, yeah, so to try and. But we swear it's not a game. Yeah. Yes, but we swear it's not a game. And I was But this like, is a limited understanding of what games are, can be. I agree. I agree. And I think it's this um, maybe trying to appeal to a mainstream audience, which doesn't yeah. want to admit or acknowledge or perhaps even I think understand maybe people that they are play just games. more scared. Yeah, perhaps. Perhaps, but I was like, you download your own individual app to yeah. go through this project, yeah, and yeah, you yeah. choose your branching narrative to see things in the order that you want to see. Right, but it's oh, it's on an app, game. you know, like no, no, that's safe. Oh, it's, no, okay. it's uh, um, no, I think they refer to it as an app. All right, yeah, I think they're okay with app. <laughs> they're not okay with game, which I found super interesting. I mean, I understand the intimidation of mm. games in terms of this idea that there has to be a winner and a loser that's a pretty basic understanding of for for some people of what a game comprises of it feels so old school doesn't it totally i think i probably would have felt like that as well though until when? before until i started until i found like an open plan game where i realized that you know didn't have to be about winning or losing i could kind of just explore and do my own thing and that was totally fine um and yeah that was in my 20s yeah i guess yeah when so i think yeah. about the games i grew up with i grew up with probably more platformers yeah i mean i would have come across like i i guess i like i would have played mario kart sometimes at people's houses but like touched it and then been like i can't do this it's, it's too scary you're <laughs> all watching really good at super nintendo mario kart just as a fyi oh really okay <laughs> 
Yes. Well, maybe don't we, we can practice. You... Oh, no, I'm shit. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is the thing. I've never like been bullied into getting good at it. <laughs> I've always just been like, actually, I think I'll just go cut this grass. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's a shame you didn't have that option with the carts. You know, they might have been really nice as lawnmowers so someone could do a side quest. Is like... This is the thing. <laughs> make it tidy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I, I'll just make the track look more attractive. Yeah. But I think. Yeah, and so that was why things like Harvest Moon appealed to me when I started playing yeah. games, because it was just it it really appealed to like an obsessive part of me. It's just like excellent. I will get the cow fed. I will make my fields plentiful, and the only competitor is like myself against myself. <laughs> the ultimate game, the real game. Yeah. Can I do it better than last time? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. Um, <laughs> and I th- I think that that's kind of what appealed to me and that's what really changed my mind. Like, the, I know so many people who hate playing board games because of the competitive element. Yeah. And I'm a victim to that too. I get really competitive and I don't like myself when I play Risk. You know, I'm not a... No one's nice. <laughs> no one's the person that they want to be. When they're yeah. playing Risk. <laughs> I'm pretty sure multiple divorces have been struck over over Monopoly. Like, that's just, you know. I mm. must admit, though, I quite like board games. Um, Monopoly, though. Like, you know, that's just chance. I don't... Uh, I guess you can strategize a little bit, but when there's real duplicity, that's yeah. like... That's the that's the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I know I'm a big fan of... Um, I play board games and really enjoy them. But um, yeah. I guess what I want from video games is also something different because... Board games, you have the social element built in because you're playing with other people. Mm-hmm. If I don't have that in a video game, mm-hmm. I don't actually, I don't really enjoy games where I'm playing by myself and there's no interaction with other characters or other beings. Or, really? Yeah. Have you played um, Gone Home? Yeah. See that, no interaction at all one of my favorite games and you're just wandering around and piecing together this really upsetting story it's narrative heavy though so that's fine for me but mm-hmm. i think um oh so you lo- but you need the narrative heavy thing i need i think if I there's think, no i think we're going to be able to find we're going to be able to find uh outliers of this firm because i'm talking about like mini metro i love mini metro and that does none mm. of the things that i'm talking about mm. but i think um i often like social interaction or social th- parts built into my games yeah Um, that doesn't mean that I like playing with a mic or playing multiplayer I think it means that character interaction yes but I sometimes find that so I I can sometimes find character action within games a little bit dead it can be too it can really be I really love found item games like Dear Esther as well Dear Esther's a lovely game yeah but to me also Mm. again that's like that has a limited time frame for me yeah, for sure. I mean, I th- I would go back to Dear Esther far less. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, but it's it's really about exploring a beautiful place. But it's it's not huge either. That's true. It's just very, very, very detailed. Um, That's true. Yeah. So it has less draw again. But I I love the letters. Yeah. 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 Maybe I should just hmm. I need to rethink that, maybe. <laughs> I'm like, I think I can find exceptions to it, actually, on all fronts. So, maybe. <laughs> I get, well, yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I do like the solitariness of games. 
Like I, I love playing, sitting next to people and like chatting to people as I'm playing it. But increasingly, I enjoy just doing that on my own. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's something interesting about um, game events too, mm. is uh, games that you would often play by yourself that, again, I mean, this is coming back to like the crowd watching, which I don't like, mm-hmm. um, but games that you would often play by yourself, then you play with other people there. And that sometimes that can be really, it can be really nice and it can be really awful. And I don't know when that bit changes. Yeah. <laughs> I think it works very well in comedic games. Oh yeah. man, that game that we saw... Last time we were in South Laden. Yes. So no. <laughs> yes. That uh, what blew it, it's my just mind. called no, right? I love it. It's my, it's my new. It's my favorite word. I think know? it's just called no. The game, right? I think so. Yeah. <sighs> okay. So need to find out who made it. Marius. Okay. So Marius, who is a part of Fizzbin, who makes a bunch of different games, like Malone in the Dark. Yes, it was um, Malone in the Dark as well, which you know also good, but no really struck a chord yeah, with me. Yeah, yeah. So we watched uh, <laughs> the Nomi <laughs> play um, No, and it's a one-button game with mm. amazingly crappy 3D figures. Mm. Are they 3D? Yes, they are 3D. Yes, they are just about 3D. They are just about 3D, <laughs> yeah. uh, and they are animated. Uh, they kind of hop. They hop. From, yeah, yeah. They yeah. have no actual animation and i believe abilities. their arms are just stuck in a in yeah. a big teapot shape yeah. they're just hopping you can move the whole figure or it stays where it is that's mm. nothing is uh jointed or yeah um and pretty much you just say no to a bunch of people uh, in an office in asking an office. you asking you for very stupid questions yeah it's great it's it's a it's a message that i i carry with me in life <laughs> No. <laughs> no. Yeah. And also there's a wind-up no, which is really nice. Oh, it's the like wind the up superpower no. wind-up no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you kind of lean forward. I started doing it in my head sometimes. <laughs> no. Yeah, it's really, it was it's, really great. It's beautiful. Made me so happy. See that? I think I would have been stressed though playing in front of those people, even with a comedic game. I think the laughter would have carried me through. I think the comedy <laughs> would have... I think when something's that funny uh, and you can all share in the enjoyment, then I, I don't mind like button mashing or, you know, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure that that game is one button. Yeah, it is one button. There yeah, we yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one yeah. button, one response and Pure. with a superpower nose. <laughs> pretty freaking amazing. They did a great job. Yes, I, I want to get my hands on that. Yeah. Just to show people. Well, or just to like answer stupid questions, like instead of actually actually answer them, can you just press this button for me for a second? And no. Yeah, and have it hooked up to your like mobile phone, and then you know you can just give them a big red button, and then yeah, 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 that would be fantastic. But in a at a time when when we just we all just need to say that word more, maybe you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yes, I think especially if you're it's, in it's, freelance land. Yeah, in freelance lander, prob. As a, as a woman, possibly, you know, it's a great word. We should all say it more. Yeah. Yeah. We should definitely should. <laughs> Sorry, it's a bit dark. <laughs> no. No. It's perfect. Here we go. <laughs> I think on that note, uh, mm. on that note, um, we <laughs> might wrap up. So, um, oh, fab. Zoe, wow, where? That was quick. <laughs> it was like 40 minutes man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> time flies when you're talking about game shit this is true yeah yeah so zoe where can people find you oh you can find me online i'm i'm digital i'm at zoejellico.com 
And in the world, people can find me in Berlin. <laughs> Safladen. Where are you on Twitter? On a Friday. <laughs> I'm also on Twitter. It's really embarrassing. My handle is like the nickname that was generated when I joined university. It's Jellicaz. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's not Jellicaz. It changed it. Oh, even worse, it changed it to Geneva Diva, which is actually a line from Little Kim that I'm pretty <laughs> sure no one gets. Yeah, you're right. I did not get that, but mm -hmm. I don't know that much about... You don't have games, an encyclopedic so. Lil' Kim knowledge. No, actually, This sadly, is why we need to hang more. <laughs> that's what I need to work on in my free time. Like, everyone has, you know, things that they need, and apparently mine is, like, mm -hmm. general... It's a music big mama culture thing. in... I don't know. I don't think... Really? I, oh, I'm a fierce one for knowing all the lyrics for everything. I cannot remember a lyric to save myself. Really? Okay, yeah. no, this is, that's that's my thing. <laughs> it's probably really irritating at parties. <laughs> we need to sing along to everything. Especially when it's Little Kim. Oh, no. Okay. Okay, so that's Zoe Jellico, uh Little Thank Kim fan. Thank you very much for having me in. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. <laughs> I'm Elise Terranova. I'm imaginary underscore lines on Twitter. Uh, I'm also at Life and Dev Pod if you want to chat there. If you have feedback or you want to get in touch about the show, please, please do. I'd love to hear from you. If you like the show, please rate it. Um, that would really help me find some more listeners and get it a bit more out there. Send me some stars. Send me some comments, whatever you like. I will take it all. Um, and again, big thank you to BerlinGamesScene.com, which is at Berlin Games with a Z on Twitter. And our fantastic new logo from At The Nomi. I can't wait to see this logo. It's pretty rad. Ciao.